welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, episode 21, 2, 2, sorry, what's the title? <laughs> We're off to a great start. I'm leaving that in. Uh, why did you get confused? It's written there twice, you I see? Always, I'm like, is it villains? Is it like... <laughs> Season 6, episode 21, 2, to go. So, this episode is kind of like the middle of the... The Dark Willow trilogy, if you will, right? Like we had villains last week kick it off, and then next week we have the season finale grave. Um, and so this episode I think suffers a lot in terms of pacing. It drags for me. There's definitely some good moments and there's some there's some good gags in it. Um, but overall it lacks the intensity of last week's episode. And obviously, I'm not going to comment on what's coming up next week, but th- this definitely feels like a middle episode. It's so interesting that you said the pacing, like that it's slow for you, because I'm feeling rushed. I'm feeling jammed. And that makes sense. Like, as you just said, it's the middle episode of the trilogy of Dark Willow. But yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling tight. I'm, I'm feeling like everything is just rush, rush, rush and go, go, go. And, and when can I breathe? When can I have a moment to breathe? I'm also feeling off balanced. Like I I feel maybe I'm just overwhelmed with Dark Willow. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on her. I think my issue with it right now is I'm just a little confused as to what Dark Willow is representing. Like what is going on with it? Is it addiction? Strawberries. Is it it a strawberry patch? Is it, but like, no, like what is, is it, is what she going through? Is it addiction? Is it revenge? Is it just the black magic is taking over her? Is it all those things? Like, I think it's just overwhelming a little bit. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot. Maybe this is obviously more to discuss on in Willow on Trial, which we will get to by the end of the season. And by the way, everybody, it's not too late. Write in your thoughts on Willow this season or in general. We will be putting her on trial in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Let's 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 see let's see how this goes, Kara. So this season on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we didn't get a previously. We got this season. I got a whole. I got nothing. <laughs> you Thanks, got a DVD rips. Whole lot of nothing. I got this epic like five minute recap of everything that happened this season, and I was like, "Damn, this season is a lot." And it, you know, what's interesting is that it wasn't a lot of action in this recap. It was just a lot of like. Buffy came back from the dead. She's depressed. She sleeps with Spike. Spike attacks her. You know, and then it's just like, does Xander and Will, Xander and Anya plan their wedding? He leaves her at the altar. She's a demon again. Like, it's just, it was so depressing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was like, oh God. <laughs> Somebody in our Discord, um, I think it was Maud, um, said, we were, we were talking about Giles leaving liquor behind at the magic box, as we saw mm-hmm. in Entropy. And Maud was like, oh, Giles must have taken the good stuff with him. And I replied, 
Oh, that explains a lot about season six. <laughs> yeah. Giles took more than just the good liquor. Um, <laughs> Giles took the good stuff from this season and the rest. And do you notice how season six since Giles left has just been... Blurg. Uh, Blurg. Yeah. And like, hey, more to talk about how we feel about season six. Not only this episode, but the next episode and then our wrap up episode. But like, I have thoughts now that we're getting to the end. We've got two episodes left. I have a lot of thoughts on season six. Oh, good. That'll be a, a nice change from every previous episode <laughs> of this podcast where it's just been me talking because you have nothing to say. Right. I'm just like, go on. <laughs> I'm just here to learn like the rest of us. All right. Picking up right where we left off. Remember. Willow brutally skinned alive Warren in the forest somewhere between Sunnydale, UC Sunnydale and Sunnydale the town. And now Buffy, Anya, and Xander are running through the forest. And Xander needs to stop because he's overwhelmed. He says, I think I'm going to be sick. Anya's like, again? Buffy says, we don't have time. (laughs) Xander says, what happened back there? The sounds of it. The smell. And Willow did that. Buffy says, I know. That's why we have to keep moving. You heard what she said. One down. And Anya says, two to go, right? Jonathan and what's-his-face, the other guy. And Buffy says, Andrew, they're sitting at county jail without a clue that Willow's coming. Now, we didn't say at the beginning, if you could rename this episode anything, what would you rename it? I wouldn't, because I actually like two to go. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would have said something like Revenge Rush or something alliterative. Or Terminator 2, The Revenge, (laughs) because we, I mean... (laughs) It's a good thing we're not titling Buffy episodes. (laughs) No, it's a bad thing. We we should be. Um, <laughs> so Buffy said, uh, Xander says, you don't think she's going to kill them too. She wouldn't. That, that doesn't make sense. And Buffy says, Willow's got an addictive personality. She just tasted blood. She could be there already. And Anya's like, no, she couldn't, which at her level, she could only go airborne. It's a thing. More flashy, impresses the locals, but it does take longer. And Xander says, longer than what? And Anya says, teleporting and she teleports away i'm assuming straight into the corner of giles's old apartment which is where all of the vengeance demons titles go xander reminds us all that anya's a vengeance demon and at least she'll get there first buffy says i'm counting the ways that can go wrong and xander says anya can handle herself and buffy says against willow tonight don't be too sure and xander says she'll be coming down at some point back there she was out of her head running on grief and magics with a k okay so this is where my first question was i was like okay the language here, right? She's coming down. She's running on magic, on pure magic with a K. I, I added that in. It just makes it seem like she's on a drug bender, right? Like she's an addict and she's, you know, regressed. And now she's on this giant drug kick. But is she, you know? Fun fact. The K in magic with a K is special K. Oh, is that... Should I... Should I get that cereal? Is that, is that what you're telling me? Wink? Are you winking at me? Well, it's either cereal or maybe it's ketamine. You never know. <laughs> well, you never... You, there's only one way to find out. I'm going to go get my Magic K cereal very soon. But yeah, like, is she... Is she... Like, I'm just... I just... I don't know what they're trying to show us with Willow's character. My mind is, like, foggy when it comes to her in this episode. What do you mean? Because they're, they're alluding to, like, with with this language, right? She She's coming down. She's running on magic. She's like, you know, she's she's going to power down later. She's going to need another hit before she can Are you going, saying that you, know? you feel like there's a mixed metaphor here where they're trying to make Dark Willow stand for like substance use, but also grief and you're finding it hard to kind of yeah it's like there's follow is it, both metaphors is it doing all of it because it's not just she's running on grief too right she's also got all this black magic inside her now so is the black magic kind of standing for evil right like what there's just a lot of things so the way i see it is 
Willow's grief, but also rage over Tara's death, had her wanting revenge, which meant that she needed power. And this is how she understands power now nowadays. Um, so her use of dark magics is her coping mechanism for her grief and her pain and her rage. And yeah, it's drugs in the sense that, you know, a lot of people with substance use issues will turn to the substance of their choice to get that high because that's what makes them feel powerful. Um, the difference here being, and maybe this is where you're experiencing that context collapse, uh, the difference is that, you know, aside from maybe that brief rush of adrenaline or whatever, drugs generally impair people's function, whereas uh, Willow's use of magic has actually improved her abilities, at least for now. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I just maybe I'm just looking at it from the point of view of just like, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> you're like, just go with it. I'm overthinking it clearly. But I was just like, what is Dark Willow? <laughs> you know, like she's doing a lot, a lot of a lot of lifting for a lot of different things here. So Buffy says, doesn't matter. Willow just killed someone. Killing people changes you. Believe me, I know. And I was like, how does she know? Is she talking about A, all of the soldiers, all of the um, LARPers that she killed last season. B, is she referring to Faith and what she saw Faith go through when she killed Alan, uh, the deputy mayor? C, is she referring to that moment, that couple hours where she thought she killed Katrina? Or D, is she talking about Warren and that she saw Warren kill somebody and then Warren ended up being a huge dickbag, but he was always a dickbag. Well, she also killed Angel. Oh, fu uh, the most obvious answer is right there, right? <laughs> I'm not I'm, like season six has has polluted my mind so much I forgot <laughs> to mention Angel, which I like to bring up every that episode. moment in becoming part two. Should you not go back and watch that now? Ugh. Okay, you know what? Rewatch after this. We're gonna skip season seven. We're going straight back to season two. Okay, well there you go. Then E. Angel, when she killed Angel. All of the above. F, you know, like... I'm all about writing in my own answers on the test. <laughs> yeah, you're... None of these are right, prof. Here's, here's the actual answer. <laughs> so, Xander says, one was a cold-blooded killer of women just warming up. If you ask me, the bastard had it coming. So, Xander obviously picked D, Warren. Like, he thought that's what she's talking about. Um, Buffy says, maybe. Andrew and Jonathan don't. Xander says, it's still Willow we're dealing with, right? And Buffy says, I hope so. Whatever she's going through, we have to stop her. Maybe we can actually do that if we get to your car. But the car that they've hidden in the woods is trashed. And Buffy says, I guess Willow wants to finish the job without us tagging along. Meet me at the jail. And Buffy just like runs and just leaps over a bush and just runs away. Oh, uh, this reminds me of old times back before anybody in the Scoobies could drive. And they all ran <laughs> and Buffy ran everywhere. I I love this. I love this so much because like, was the leap necessary? Like, didn't seem like a very big bush. You could just ran right through it. Um, but like, well, Buffy used to run and leap all the time, and you're right. Like, I missed this. But we also know that Buffy's not actually super fast runner or is she like she chased riley's helicopter that one time only when she's not running in slow motion i was just thinking that too i was like back to season two again right she used to run in slow motion uh xander says okay then i'll just catch up it's only my best friend you know no big deal glad i can help and he kicks the car in frustration cut to credits 
I think it's so interesting how Xander is so clearly in denial in this scene, right? He's trying to downplay what Willow has done. He's like, yeah, so she killed a guy. It's fine. He had it coming. She's still Willow. And Buffy's like, she killed somebody, Xander, in cold blood. That's really bad. Can you imagine, though, if, um... Well, I was going to say, can you imagine if Buffy, like, skinned Angel? She didn't do that. She just stabbed him. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the same. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's different. Again, we missed an opportunity to have Dark Buffy in this season as well. (laughs) Dark Buffy, we did kind of get. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't all veiny and black. The way that Willow's gone, she was just sad. (laughs) So, at the police station, Andrew's telling Jonathan to move over so he can hear signals. And Jonathan gets really sarcastic about, about that. And Andrew says, I figured it out. Warren never abandoned us. Well, not me anyway. This is his test. If we can figure out how he's communicating with us, then we'll be worthy. And Jonathan says, you're checking for implants. And Andrew quotes a comic book storyline featuring Lex Luthor. And Jonathan says, you are sadness personified. Waiting for Warren? Yeah, maybe he'll come bust us out of here in Santa's magic sleigh. And Andrew says, I'm telling him you said that. Jonathan says, why wait? Tell him right now. So he grabs Andrew's hand and speaks into it. He's like, he's like, hey, Warren, you read me? Your girlfriend's pathetic. Over. And Andrew says, shut up, jerkathon. This is why we get jetpacks and all you get is left behind. And Jonathan says, so you admit it. And Andrew says, why not? You were out of the trio a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And you want to know why, little feller? No respect for the chain of command. And Jonathan says, yeah, see how far it's gotten you? Checking every hole in your sad little body for transmitters that don't exist? And Andrew says, I'll find it if I check if I have to check every hole in my body and yours. And then they start to tussle. So Andrew is still in denial <laughs> that Warren gives a shit. This is when Anya teleports in. She says, we have to get you out of here or you'll both be killed. And then she starts calling for the guard. And Andrew and Jonathan are like, what? And Jonathan says, I need you to explain this. And Anya says, Warren shot Buffy. Warren shot Tara. Buffy's alive. Tara's dead. Willow's found out and being the most powerful Wicca in the Western Hemisphere, decided to get the payback with interest. Andrew asks, what about Warren? And Anya says, she killed him, ripped him apart, and bloodied up the forest doing it. Now she's coming and here, and two of you are next. And Andrew's like, oh my god, Warren. And Jonathan's like, oh my god, me. <laughs> and then he calls for the guard too. And Andrew says, we, we didn't do anything. And the guard comes over and he's like really surprised to see Anya in the cell. And Anya's like, something's coming, something's bad. You have to let these two out of here or I can guarantee they'll be hell to pay. And the guard's like, exactly what is coming? And then he just laughs at her as she tries to explain. And she says, we're running out of time. So believe me when I tell you that things are real, they're dangerous, and they're coming. I think it's interesting that Anya thinks that she can convince the guard to open the door. She should have started with, uh, guard, I'm trapped in here, open the door. And then he would have been like, how'd you get in there and open the door for her? (laughs) And they could have ran out. (laughs) Right. Like from her thousand years of being a vengeance demon who targets, you know, men who've wrongfully hurt women. Like Anya should know at this point that men are generally quite useless when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Right. Like exactly. Uh, Speaking of season two, while I was watching this episode, I kept flashing back to what Snyder said in Becoming Part Two. The police in this town are deeply stupid because <laughs> we're about to see a lot Truth. of that very soon. <laughs> so cut to the exterior of the police station. Uh, there's a cop in a cop car, which is, you know, a typical place for a cop to be. He's got his <laughs> coffee. It's starting to shake. Um, Steph says this is just like Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, like when the T-Rex is approaching, it's like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> 
Well, it's not a T-Rex. It's Willow materializing in a flash of thunder and lightning. Uh, the cop gets out of his car and says, what the hell was that? <laughs> Listen, I don't think you know what you're doing. And Willow says, take a nap. And the cop passes out. Then Willow looks up at the police station. Uh, there's a big window that's being bricked over. And that's conveniently exactly where Andrew and Jonathan's cell is. Right? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so Anya is still talking to the guard. And while she's doing this, Willow begins removing the bricks from the window and the wall surrounding it piece by piece. Uh, and the guard notices this and he's like, you three stay here. Don't move. You'll be safe here. Again, deeply stupid. <laughs> and then Anya says, are you even listening? This is the one place they won't be safe. So the cops are running out of the station to confront Willow. She uses her powers to make some of them fly around, and then she continues removing bricks. Uh, they're all pointing their guns at her and shouting, but no one is doing anything. Uh, and then Andrew asks, why is she doing this? Tell her we didn't do anything. And Jonathan says, yes, we did. We signed on. We teamed up. We wanted to see where our plans would take us. Well, this is it. Andrew says, maybe for you. So again, we're seeing like this very different kind of approach between Jonathan and Andrew when it comes to processing the consequences of their actions. Yeah, I mean, Andrew is still in denial about Warren giving a shit, but clearly he's still in denial about being in the wrong for anything, where I really mm -hmm. like this little line from Jonathan here where he says, we signed on, we teamed up, right? Like he's like, this is what yeah. we reaped. This is, this is what we did. So mm -hmm. it makes sense to him. Buffy arrives, which means that Buffy can run almost as fast as Willow can fly on the wind. Um, <laughs> you notice that? Like, Willow shows up, Buffy's there like five seconds later. But you notice Buffy didn't come from any which way. She came from the same alleyway that she came from back in Dead Things. <laughs> she just popped out of the it's alleyway. It's the only alleyway. <laughs> and we were like, why'd you take that route? I mean, she was also coming from the forest then, so that's consistent. <laughs> So meanwhile, Andrew's saying, Anya, teleport us out of here. Please take us with you. And Anya says, I can't. It doesn't work that way. Buffy breaks into the station through a window and she knows exactly where to find them. <laughs> Everyone knows that that bricked up window is where the cells are. <laughs> the police are still not doing anything to actually deal with Willow. So she ignores them and flies up to the hole that she just made. But the cell is empty. Willow sees the bars have been warped and she says... Buffy. Ooh. And Anya, Anya says, Willow, just stop for a second and listen. And Willow hits Anya with a blast of like force lightning, like Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good way to describe it. And it takes Anya out, like Anya is unconscious. And then Willow screams like a banshee. It's it's a very unsettling scream. Yeah, it's very scary. It reminds me of like the exorcism, you know, like is it, she's doing a good job. But also like why <laughs> why because that's what i'm saying like is is it is it the dark magics with a k is is she just a demon now like what or is she just addicted anyway I'm i get confused with Lilla, but She's i do feeling think, big feelings clearly yes but i do think that she is doing a good job right i think allison hannigan's doing a good job of being this ragey monster so in the alleyway uh, Buffy's gotten them out the way she came <laughs> and Buffy is looking at the police officers who are all just like literally they're all standing on the street looking up at the hole that Willow through, flew through um, and she says we're gonna have to make a run for it and Andrew compares Willow to Dark Phoenix um, which is an X-Men shout out and says you you expect us to just outrun her so 
This adds to my confusion, Kara, because again, like they're trying to be like Willow's grieving, so this, this she's doing this, or Willow's addicted, so she's on her magic drugs. But then when they say that she's Dark Phoenix, if anyone's familiar with that storyline, my understanding of Dark Phoenix and Jean Grey is that Dark Phoenix is its own entity that takes over Jean Grey's body. So that's why I was like, so comparing Dark Willow to Dark Phoenix, is it, is it like, it's not even Willow anymore. It's just something using her body. Like, I just think that's a... It's not a good way to help me understand <laughs> what's going on with Willow. I, I think the the main point of comparison here is the idea that like the Dark Phoenix storyline, which I'm not familiar with because I, I don't read the X-Men comics, but the Dark Phoenix storyline from my understanding demonstrates that Jean Grey technically is like the most powerful of all of the X-Men. Um, and it's the same idea here with Willow where it's like, you know, Willow is this shy unassuming woman who like was bullied in high school and and was not very assertive and then yes she's developed her magical abilities but still like what can she do and now suddenly because she's allowed the darkness to take her over she is actually you know the most powerful thing in the western hemisphere as far as Anya is concerned so I see I see what you're saying yeah uh, and I, I give you credit for, for true nerd pedantry, Steph, so good job. <laughs> um, but I, I also see the comparison that Andrew is going for here. I will add that I am not an X-Men expert by any means. I watched the cartoon, you know, the da -da 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 -da. I watched that cartoon when I was younger, and that's how I know about Dark Phoenix. But my other issue with this comparison is that I think it kind of comes across as a bit of a ripoff at this point. And I know a lot of people really love the Dark Willow storyline, and I, I'm still reserving my judgment for it until the end of the season. But um, at this point, I do see the parallels. And, and it's like, at what point are you paying an homage to X-Men and to storylines similar to the Dark Phoenix? And at what part are you ripping it off? So that's when Xander drives up with a stolen cop car, because I guess Xander also ran really quickly to get there and stole a cop car right, right in front of the... Uh, station and they all drive away and Buffy but they don't wait for Buffy in the car she's got to run alongside the car first to jump in as they drive away Buffy asks Jonathan and Andrew if they're injured and Jonathan says I don't think so and Andrew asks where are you taking us and Buffy says we'll find someplace safe and keep you there until we can stop Willow and Andrew says run and hide that's your brilliant plan and ooh Kara this grinds my gears not only when it happens in shows but when it happens in real life it's just very aggravating when Someone is going to criticize the plan when they didn't go out of their way to come up with a plan themselves. So if you're going to criticize a plan that somebody made, then you best have an alternative plan up your sleeve, you know? Otherwise, shut up. And this happened in Spiral in season five. Remember, like, Buffy's like, we're, we're taking Don, we're running away from glory. We're just, we're leaving. And it was, the Scoobies were like, what? <laughs> like... We're going to run and hide? We've never ran away before. I think it was Xander saying most of that. Well, also, like, Andrew, like, stop telling women they're not good enough at doing things. <laughs> Just period. <laughs> so Xander says, boys, if you don't knock it off, we'll pull this car over and you can walk to your painful desk from here. Willow exits the, the police station. Don't know where the cops went. Who knows? Uh, Jonathan says, I don't get it. Willow's switch. Why doesn't she just wave her arms and make us dead? And Buffy says, she doesn't want you dead. She wants to kill you. And Andrew says, but we didn't do anything. And Buffy smacks him. <laughs> and Xander says, Jonathan may have a point. Why isn't she right here right now? And Buffy says, maybe she's just getting her mojo up and running. Maybe she hasn't figured out what kind of power she actually has yet. Neither have we. 
And Xander says, I guess we keep running then. And Jonathan says, I can't believe that that was Willow. I mean, I've known her almost as long as you guys. Willow, as she, you know, she packed her lunches and she wore floods and was always just Willow. And sad Buffy and sad Xander face. And Jonathan, you have known Willow longer than Buffy, for sure. So then the car gets rammed from behind. Andrew says, what was that? Xander says, just Willow. Because <laughs> Willow has gotten control of a transport truck and is on the roof controlling the truck as it drives behind the car. And the driver of the truck is like, because <laughs> he can't control his vehicle anymore. Um, so she's chasing them on, on the highway. It's a highway chase. She keeps ramming into the car with the transport truck. And uh, the police car bumper falls off at one point. And Jonathan says, she knows you're in the car too, right? Right? But does she? Um, suddenly, Willow starts t looking tired. And Jonathan says she's draining. Willow falls over. And the transport truck stops. And the police car keeps going. And the driver of the transport truck is like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that would have been really scary. Um, and I was like, okay, at this point, Willow, I do think that it's cool that you want to use all the new powers that you have. Like, obviously, you want to show off a bit here, like, just with your flying magic instead of transporting thing that Anya said earlier. But, like, really, like, why don't you just pop the tires of the car? <laughs> uh, why don't you just literally use your magic to stop Jonathan and Andrew's hearts from beating anymore? I've got so many better ways for you to murder these guys. But that's what Buffy said, right? Is She doesn't just want them dead. She needs to kill them. Like, this is part of the chase for her. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about her being on a high, right? She's drawing it out, you know, and this is every big bad's downfall. Like, we saw this with Adam. He didn't want to just kill Buffy. He's like, no, bring the Slayer to me for maximum carnage. And that's what his downfall was. Yeah. He should have just killed her. Like... Every big bad does this. So Willow is no exception. A couple of other points about this scene. First off, by, uh, you know, once once in a blue moon praise of Xander here. Xander stealing the cop car. You did good, Xander. First off, because, hey, anarchy. Yeah, let's steal police equipment. Great. I fully support this. But also, like, we needed a vehicle and, and you, you took the car. You, like, you made yourself useful. Uh, he showed up, like, 30 seconds after Buffy did. So very, like... Clearly, Xander somehow found a lift or something to the police station because um, he wasn't that far behind Buffy. She's like chugging along. Like she was maybe like, I don't know, 20 minutes earlier than him. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, good job, Xander, finding the cop car. Um, and then my other thought here is poor transport truck driver. This is going to be hell on his like insurance rates and stuff because a lot of transport truck drivers are owner operators. Um, so they're like independent contractors um and often they they are required to have their own insurance uh in order to work for these larger shipping companies so you know this poor transport truck driver like he's just minding his own business and transport truck drivers are like the backbone of our uh logistics right like if you need something delivered chances are it's being shipped to you at some point on a transport truck so shout out to transport truck drivers because y'all are overworked and underpaid and you have terrible working conditions uh and you've got to pay for all this insurance and then you know a witch shows up and commandeers your vehicle while you're still inside it like that's not all and unnecessarily again willow could have did a callback to her floating pencil days and used a floating pencil to pop those tires and she could have killed them slowly still but mm -hmm. she would have stopped them from running away also so so you notice how i'm like yeah, Willow killed Warren, but you know what really pushed me over the edge to to, to hate her? It or was, disrespect. You know, stealing the transfer truck. 
You know what? It's statements like that that really make Prophecy Girls stand out <laughs> against other Buffy podcasts. Like flaying somebody alive? Sure. Whatever. Whatever. Sure. You know, doing something to our poor transport truck drivers, that's where the I draw the line. The livelihood of truckers, we will not stand for this. So, Don is pacing in Clem's crypt as he tastes, tests, and ranks chips. And Clem is saying, um, you know, like, do you want to play cards? I can be a real boredom buster if you just give me a chance. And Don is like, it's not you. Clem says, I feel, so, I feel responsible. It's not fair. A girl your age cooped up in a crypt. Tell you what, let me take you to a movie. We'll go nuts. PG-13. And Don says, Clem, look at me. Do I look weak or incapable? And Clem says, heck no. Yeah, Clem. And Don says, why am I stuck here? And Clem says, no good reason. I can see. I'm still really sorry about what, about what happened. If there's anything I can do to help, just name it. And Don says anything, and Clem says, you're not going to go get yourself into trouble, are you? Or me, because your sister's a slayer. I'm a demon. And that's a real good incentive to get along with her. And Don says, I need a demon to help me. Spike would have. And Clem says, Spike's gone. Where's Spike, Kara? Well, last episode we established he'd somehow made it to Africa so, so quickly. (laughs) I guess that he went the same pace that Xander went to get to the police station like these men are just really fast so he's in the cave that we saw him in previously uh he no longer has a shirt on which i'm given to understand improves vampires i don't know (laughs) you you were always in favor of angel not having a shirt on so okay i mean that improved angel the man as far as like his vampireness goes i don't know does it give him not having a shirt on improve spike not to me i'm sure to others like not to me for me, I'm all like, right. what, a, so what all, a pale man. <laughs> for all you Spike people out there, this is your scene. So the, the demon that we met last episode says, you understand then? And Spike says, yeah, it's not like you haven't been clear about it. Oh, great and mysterious one. This is a test. I don't get what I want unless I pass said test. About the size and shape. Since your pad is decked out gladiator style and no number two pencils have been provided, I guess we're not starting with the written. And that's when a similarly topless fighter approaches. And Spike says, here we go then. So it's topless fighting all around in this cave. Steven just really likes topless fights. Okay, but this demon, though, that comes out, this shirtless fighter, he's hot. (laughs) He's, like, really jacked. I think he's, like, like tanned. He's, like... Steph's like getting a little like flushed here, everybody. Uh, Thank you for adding that context that I was unable to add. You're welcome. So like, I don't think he has any lines. So I think maybe they just like, they probably like told the casting director to like, go hire like the hottest, like stunt guy you have. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. And we thank them. So, so Spike says, oh, just me and the walking action figure. I venture this would be the kill or be killed type of situation then. And the demon confirms this to the death. And Spike says, right, here we are now. Entertain us. And the demon claps his hands. And they burst into flames. So the demon now has flame fists. (laughs) And he punches Spike in the face. And I have to say, this is one of the more memorable special effects from this series. I remember, like I was was saying recently, like I kind of started watching Buffy live uh, with the very end of season six. And so this like special effect of this guy bumping his fists together and then they catch on fire. I remember that. It's like flame on. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) He's um, Johnny from the Fantastic Four. Okay. I want to go back up to the scene with Don and Clem real quick because something I just thought about now, I was when I was reading it out, I was like, I really love Don in this scene because I love when she says, when she asks, do I look weak or incapable? 
because Dawn is obviously a young woman, but a woman nonetheless. And I just, I again, I, I I'm looking for the feminism in this show when I can find it, and I really like that Dawn had that little line and that Clem supports her right he's like heck no you're not weak or incapable (laughs) yeah she really is very effective at manipulating Clem here (laughs) and that's the part that I love is it's like you know we're we're really seeing like that petulant like summer's energy coming out of Dawn where Mm -hmm. it's like you know Buffy tried to pull this shit too and it didn't always work for her but I like that the show didn't forget that Dawn exists right like they they put Dawn on this tiny little bus to go stay with Clem and be safe and then the show was like, no, wait a minute. We're not going to ignore Dawn for like two whole episodes while every- this is all going on. So they're giving Dawn something to do. And I really appreciate this. And if it means more Clem screen time, then so be it. <laughs> I love that. And again, I appreciate it because it's showing that Dawn is a hero in her own right. And she's growing into her own type of heroism. And she has agency. And yes. she's not just going to stay put. She's not going to stay in the car. She's not weak. She's not incapable. She is a young woman who's going to do what she can to help. And let's not forget that she was the one who found Tara's body. So she had a very close connection with Tara. So her wanting to help Willow is another way for her to honor Tara's death. And and she's doing that more than anyone else has the time to do right now. So I appreciate this about Dawn in this episode. Clem and Dawn are wandering the sketchy side of Sunnydale. And Dawn is looking for Rack's place. And they can't find it because it moves, remember? And Clem says, you know why Rack moves all the time? Because he's shady. A bad element comes down here. And Dawn says, I get that. But Willow's part of that now. She is the element. If she is around somewhere, Rack may know where she is, which is why we need to talk to him. And Clem says, we? As in face to face? And Dawn says, or me. I'll go in there without you. And Clem says, no, it's fine. I'm good. It's just that Rack's not partial to the floppy eared. If Rack does know where Willow is, he's not going to tell you for nothing. He's going to want something. And Don says, I have money. And I was like, you do? <laughs> Where'd you get money? Don, you steal again? Um, Clem says, that's not the kind of thing he's going to want. Rack likes little girls. And I was like, because this goes back to our conversation back in Wrecked when I was saying all those strawberry comments, like all the comments and the, the way that he was leering at Willow. Well, and Rack has seen Don before, right? So. Mm. Well, maybe in the waiting room for sure. So it just makes me more aware. I'm just, I'm reminded again that, oh yeah, Rack is a really creepy guy that was creeping on Amy when she was 17 years old, you know? Like, anyway. So Don says, I'm not a little girl. And I was like, well, well, I mean, I know I just called you a woman, but you are still quite young, Don. So Clem says, I don't know if you thought if you thought this through. I'm supposed to keep you safe. Even if you find Willow, do you really think you can stop her? So I'm all on board the, the feminism agency train of, yes, good job, Don. Like, I like that you're doing this. But what do we think of this plan? Is it ill-advised for Don to, to go to Rack with Clem as backup? Do yeah. we think Don can stop Willow? No. <laughs> I get, I, like, it's, it's funny because like you just said, Love this for Dawn. Love that she's taking matters into her own hands and she's not just going to sit idle. Bad plan. <laughs> um, Clem is right. Rack will absolutely not help you unless you have something to give. But I don't see any other plan that she would come up with because this is the only way into the dark side of Sunnydale that she knows because she was brought there earlier this season. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just, you know, I worry for Donnie, of course. Um but yeah, I, I I mean, again, that's another summer's trait, right? Is running headlong into danger 
without really having a plan other than like Buffy's plan is usually I will beat it with my fists <laughs> until it submits. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dawn's plan is clearly, you know, I'll manipulate Clem to help me and we'll go from there. Yeah, she'll use her words. Uh, that's every hero ever in every storyline, right? Just like, oh, I'm just going to dive right in. And that's why the villain always triumphs for the first little bit because they're like, they, they they prey on that. So Xander, Buffy, Jonathan, and Andrew are meeting Anya at the magic box, who appears to be all right after Willow knocked her out earlier. So this is what, the second time Willow's knocked her out in two episodes? Um, Anya is being snarky to Xander, and he says, can you still sense Willow? Uh, knowing her location would be a really big comfort right now. And Anya is saying that she can't, whatever she's feeling has gone way beyond simple vengeance. And Buffy says, whatever we got, we got to grab it fast. This is one of the first places she's going to think to look for us. And Andrew says, I could summon a demon that could kill her. And Xander says, I could smack you so hard your eyeballs would switch sockets. So once again, Andrew's first thought is murder, right? Like this episode is really trying to convince us that Andrew was further along the continuum towards Warren end of things than Jonathan was. And I'll add again, which I said a few episodes ago, I don't like Andrew. I don't. I don't find him a, a, a good character. And again, we haven't gotten as much development with him as the others, but that doesn't matter. It's just what it is at the, at the moment. I think Andrew's a little jerk. I think he's, a, he's a annoying. Buffy says no one's getting killed. Sit down. So Jonathan and Andrew go and sit at the table while Buffy and Xander start looking through the books to find some sort of magic that will stop Willow or slow her down. But she drained all the books, remember? So Anya says she didn't take everything and she gets a book from under the cash register and it's a book of protection spells, anti-magic, our last resort. And Xander says, you think you can work this stuff? And Anya says, well, the good news is the text is intact. The bad news is I can't read a word of it. It's in some ancient Sumerian or something. And Jonathan offers to take a look at it, right? And Buffy tells him to shut up. (laughs) And Jonathan says, I just thought as long as you're protecting us, the least I can do is. And Buffy says, none of us are protecting you, Jonathan. We're doing this for Willow. The only reason it happens to be your lucky day is because Willow kills you. She crosses a line and I lose a friend and I hate losing. So in this scene, right? Jonathan's dreams are low-key coming true. Like, Jonathan wants to be a Scooby so bad. We've talked about this before with Jonathan back in Superstar, mm-hmm. just back yeah. in high school even. Like, he wants to be in this friend group, and he he just can't get in. So in this case, he's like, now's my time to step up. But Buffy's not having it, and I love that for Buffy. Well, and he's really fucked it up, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way he can be a Scooby now. Like, there's no redemption arc for these two right like they're they're they can't come back from this they're gonna go to hopefully if they don't get killed by willow they're gonna go to prison right like so for jonathan to you know try to insinuate himself into the gang and be like you know i could help with that it's interesting to me because as much as as much as we were just talking about how andrew's like let's kill willow like i'll summon a demon like you're saying jonathan's less concerned with dealing with willow and he's more concerned with i need to you know get on this redemption path i need to distance myself from the trio and we're seeing a little bit of that same kind of like self-interested jonathan that we were talking about in previous episodes where it's like jonathan can do the right thing you know he does have a conscience but he only really does the right thing when he's pushed to do the right thing, when he's motivated by that self-interest. Exactly, because anytime during the trio's 
season long scheming. He could have just, you know, left them and went to the Buffy and said, here's the plans. You can stop Warren and Andrew right now. Right. Like turned on them. But he never did. It, it's too late, Jonathan. Sorry. We've come such a long way from the prime. The, the prime. prime. <laughs> Optimus Prime. Yep. Also looks good shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> he doesn't wear shirts. What? Optimus Prime we saw earlier, he was that big truck. <laughs> we saw <laughs> He doesn't wear shirts, right? Are you talking about the robot? Like, yeah. Like, he does not. Have... <laughs> <Yes>. What? <laughs> now I'm starting to think everything you said about the Buffy bot and, and the robots in this show. I, I think you're lying because clearly you've got a thing for robots all of a sudden. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying I have a thing for Optimus Prime, but he doesn't wear shirts. So therefore, he must look good shirtless. Or are you saying For that Optimus car, Prime I, just doesn't look good? No, because he's a car. Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he's, like, he's like an alien with like, with like, a, like a car grill for his face. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, no, actually, you know what, Kara? I am still a woman. Like, yeah, he's got a nice build. Like, come on. <laughs> Obviously. I'm more of a Decepticon girl. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's totally fair. Um... <laughs> Where were we going with this? I don't Sorry. know. I don't remember anymore. You can cut this all out or keep it in. No, it doesn't no, matter. No. I'll keep it in. <laughs> As I was saying, uh, we've come such a long way from the prom when Jonathan gave Buffy the class protector umbrella as that, you know, award for saving all of them. And he was just little Jonathan back then, right? And he was just this innocuous kid who, yeah brought a gun to school at one point but you know <laughs> he, he didn't get expelled for that it's so interesting how the show is like and now he is darkness or he's the light in the darkness i mean i guess it's true what they say about you know you never really know where people are who who you went to high school with where they're going <laughs> and i do think it's funny like like you're saying like yeah he came so far from the prom he came so far from fucking Go fish when he peed in the pool. That was his revenge to the school bullies, right? And now here he is. Well, that was his fir- that was his first showdown with Willow. <laughs> so so Jonathan says, um, "Look, I get it. It's just that she's running out of power, right? I can tell. I can practically feel it. I've dabbled in the magics." And Xander says, "I think that Willow's in a league of her own about now, devil boy." And Jonathan says, "But still, running that hot that long, it's just about our time before you got to recharge, no matter how juiced up you are." He says, thank you. Now, remember the thing we talked about? And Jonathan says, Jonathan says about me shutting up? Right. And then he sulks. He goes back to sit down. Um, a part of me, though, does feel, Cara, that, like, they could potentially use his help if he is the only person here left besides Anya that can do magic. But I, I also understand their stance of, like, just get the fuck out of the way. So Xander pulls Buffy aside and says, let's, let's say this works. We stop Willow from working the hoodoo for a minute. Then what? Buffy says, I talk to her. And Xander says, and say what? And Buffy says, whatever she's going to do, she starts with these two. They're the line that she cannot cross. If she's running low on magics, she's probably somewhere right now trying to get it back. And that's the connection to Rax. Rax. So we're in Rax's place. There's a man lying on the floor. He's super high. Uh, And then we see Rax and he says, hey, babe, I've been waiting for you. And it's Willow, not Don. It's Willow. Oh, good. <laughs> and Rack says, guess the rehab didn't take, huh? That's the way it goes sometimes. But I gotta say, I could feel you coming a mile away, the power you got. And he stalks towards her and he says, you want to know something, sweetness? I liked it. And he circles her 
touching her shoulders and her hair. Ooh, he's like seducing her. It's really creepy. I don't even think it's seducing. I think it's just like a it's a possessive aura. He's like, "You are mine. I can I can touch you. I can do what I want with you." It's, it's I agree. It's creepy. It's gross. I want to throw up. But yeah, it's uh, I don't I don't know how Rack sees himself. I don't think he sees himself as like suave. I think he, he I think he knows how creepy it is and he likes it. Yeah, for sure. He's like, yeah, I know you need something from me, so you're going to let me do whatever the fuck I want. When you first came to me, you were just a little slip of a girl. Look at you now. So grown up, full of dark juice, <clears throat> and you still taste like strawberries. Only now you're ripe. You came because you want something, don't you? And Willow does not speak. She just nods. So she's playing the very compliant subject in Rack's little fantasy. So Rack continues, I thought so. And he's in her face now. And he says, tell me, Strawberry, what on this earth do you want? And it looks like they're about to kiss. But then Willow says, just to take a little tour. And she puts her hand on Rack's chest and it glows with electricity and Rack kind of seizes up and he's in pain and Willow lifts him up with one hand and, you know, she's very clearly like draining him of magic. It's a suck job. I'm not even mad at you, Steph, because you are actually 100% correct. No, it's a suck job. It is a suck job, yeah. yes. <laughs> I, I actually like this scene and um, it's for all the reasons we just said. Rack is being a creepy creepster uh, and he thinks that he is playing Willow. He thinks that he is the cat and she's the mouse and he's just playing with her before he, he gets whatever it is he yeah. thinks he's going to get out of her. Probably because he was going to take a tour, right? You got to give a little to get a little. So he was about to get some of her power. Well, he he just sees her as another user, right? Yeah. And, and he sees her as coming back to get high on the supply again. And I think this scene, I agree with you, as short as it is, it's actually one of the best scenes in this episode in terms of the complexity that it demonstrates. The way that men like Rack look at women like Willow and look down on them because they are substance users, right? It's like, not only is he looking at this from a misogynistic angle of like, I have power over all women, but he's also looking at it from the angle of like, and especially women that either I've hooked on magic or have, you know, caused their magic addiction to worsen, like he did, we're assuming, with Amy, he he's manipulating and, and grooming all of these girls and women. And, and so that's what we're seeing here, right? It is the hubris here is his assumption that because Willow is both a woman and a substance user, that makes her more vulnerable easier to exploit but also like he's just he's underestimating her as a result and i i really like not only how the scene subverts that because willow then turns the tables on him but i i, I like that they've included the character of rack to demonstrate how there's this intersection of substance use and misogyny when it comes to kind of the the interactions between people who supply drugs and people who are hooked on these drugs. Yeah, so this is a really great scene for that. Um, and like you just said, Willow has had the power the whole time. And Rack thinks that he has it and he's going to get a little bit of Willow's before he juices her up as he did last time he saw her. But it's just so great that it's Willow who's actually like, actually, I'm here to just suck job you to your death. <laughs> so 
And Clem and Don enter just then. And Don says, um, this will only take a minute. Come on. And Clem just like stays where he is. And she says, do you want to wait here? I'll be right back. And he agrees. So Don enters the back room. And that's where we see Rack hanging upside down in the air, clearly dead. So I think in the last scene, we wouldn't have known if she was actually going to kill him or not. But this is where they reveal like right away. Nope, she killed him. This is a big deal. <laughs> She's now killed two people. That's two people that Willow has killed. And she's on par with Faith now, as far as we know, for humans that she's killed. I mean, who's keeping score? Me. <laughs> um, I have a I have a murder list just right here on my desk, and it just keeps track of everyone who's murdered somebody. And turns out Xander is actually the biggest <laughs> murderer. I was going to say, wait a while. Of the Scoobies. <laughs> and Kara, you're also on that list. You so you told me you wouldn't tell anybody, Steph. <laughs> Just like you told me you wouldn't reveal your Optimus Prime fantasies on the podcast. But here we are. So Dawn screams and Willow is behind her and she's like, hey, cutie. And Willow is all veiny now, right? She's just veins all over her body. And Dawn says, you look terrible. You're back on the magics. And Willow says, no, honey, I am the magics. And Dawn says, did you kill that guy? (laughs) And Willow's like, it's an improvement, believe me. Dawn says, I have to go. Dawn, and she tries to walk around her, but Willow just appears in front of her again. And she's like, why? So you can run and tell Buffy? And Dawn's like, Willow, please just listen to me. And Willow's like, you don't have to talk. Just think real loud. I can hear you. And Dawn tells her she's freaking her out. And Willow's like, don't be like that. I'm just a little wired and I have some things to do. Not that anybody would not, would understand. Don says, I miss Tara too. And that makes Willow pause. Don says, this is not the way to go. You're only going to make things worse, but I promise it's not too late. And Willow says, do you miss her? Did you cry? Of course you did. I get that. I understand the crying. You cry because you're human, but you weren't always. And Don says, yes, I was. <laughs> Don, <Dawn>, lies. <laughs> So Willow says, no, please. You're telling me you don't remember? You used to be some mystic ball of energy. That's why you're crying all the time, Donnie, because you don't belong here. Want to go back? End the pain? You'll be happier. I'll be happier. We'll all be a lot happier without listening to your constant whining. And Don says, Willow, stop, because it's hurting your feelings. And I just want to add that this is like the second time in a very short period of time where Don has been stalked and almost killed by her sister or one of her caregivers, you know? (laughs) yes yeah no and and it's it's another reference to don being the key so like for most of season six nobody wanted to bring that up it was like don't mention it don't mention it and now it's like every episode they're like by the way don used to be the key (laughs) remember remember how you didn't exist a little while ago um (laughs) so willow says mom buffy tara well it's time you go back to being a little energy ball no more tears donnie and that's when buffy opens the door and says i think you need to get away from her so I just want to add that, like, do we think that Dawn is whiny? Yeah, we do. We've said that before. But everybody on this show in this season has been whiny. I'm sorry. Especially Spike and Willow. (laughs) So what we're also seeing in this scene is Willow is so high now on her power that she is ready to cross further lines. Because before it was about vengeance, right? It was, I am going to kill Warren and Jonathan and the other one. Um, because they are culpable in Tara's death. Dawn has no complicity whatsoever in Tara's death. Dawn was nowhere near that scene, right? There's no reason for Willow to do anything to Dawn, other than the fact that Dawn happens to be in front of her right now. So this is, this is the episode kind of, this is the fulcrum of the episode, where it's showing us Willow's descent into 
the madness of her power rush before we could have, you know, not to defend or apologize for her actions, but we can attribute her actions to this pure, like white hot rage that she feels. But at this point, now we're tilting towards, well, now she's just being violent and, and, you know, perhaps a little bit psychotic because of the the power rush that she's feeling. Mm. Uh, Also, what time is it? (laughs) It's 7.42 p.m. Impossible. Impossible. Because they've done so much. Tara's body got taken away. They all went to the forest. They watched Warren die. They all came back from the forest. Car chase. Magic time. Like, it's just... (laughs) 9.42 p.m. (laughs) That all took an hour and a half tops. So... At the magic shop, Xander and Anya are deciphering text at the counter, and Anya is complaining that Xander's too close to her. Clearly, Anya is still pissed off about the whole leaving at the altar thing. Xander's over it. I don't know why she's still upset. And I'm being sarcastic, of course. So she says she can't read the text, and Xander's asking how the translation's coming. And Anya, again, says, like, it's stupid ancient Sumerian. I don't know it. And Jonathan is standing up again. And he's like, I'm pretty sure it's Babylonian. The text is similar, but the dialect is completely different. And Xander says, unless you can read Babylonian, I suggest you just sit back down. So, actually, (laughs) Jonathan is only half correct. He's correct that the Sumerian written language which was written in something called cuneiform uh was also used by the babylonian empire that arose in its place however the language that the babylonian empire spoke was actually called akkadian because the akkadian empire existed in between the sumerian civilization and what we think of as the babylonian empire there really was no Babylon, like spoken Babylonian language. It was all like a, a bunch of different languages, including Akkadian. Uh, and many of those languages used Sumerian cuneiform with various kind of adaptations. Just wanted to make that clear for everybody. History with Kara. Okay, thanks for that. Um, Andrew's asking Jonathan why you're helping them. And Jonathan says, because we're saving their, they're saving our lives. Andrew says, then what? Even if they kill that wicka bitch. Oh, there's the use of bitch again. Um, he says, you think they're going to just let us walk? They own us. Look around. You know magic. We're in a magic shop. We can take them. The books are dry, so but so what? There's still tons of supplies all around us. This is the best chance we're going to get to get out of here. And Jonathan says, and do what? And Andrew says, start over. We can be the duo, you and me. Ugh. You can even be the leader. I swear, I'll take orders. I like taking orders. Just tell me what to do. And Jonathan says, you want an order? And he pushes Andrew up against the bookshelves and says, grow up. And Xander says, hey now, play nice, fellas, or you'll break our concentration, which means no protection spell. Then Willow will make you two boneless chickens skinless too. And Andrew says, then what? You think your little witch buddy is going to stop with us? You saw her. She's a truck driving magic mama. And we've got maybe seconds before Darth Rosenberg grinds everyone into Jawa burgers. And not one of you bunch has the midichlorians to stop her. And Xander says, you never had any tiny bit of sex, have you? Like that matters, Xander. Like, oh, stupid. Well, okay, insult. but Xander is establishing that not only does he understand the nerd references, right? As we saw with like the Star Trek stuff in, in previous episodes however he is king of the nerds because he's a nerd who's had sex right so he's like achieved the holy grail for nerds it's just it's this weird like intersection of like toxic masculinity and you know nerd culture and and uh, yeah like none of this is good this is all bad yes 
I know. Uh, and Anya says that the annoying virgin has a point. Ooh, I like that name. <laughs> Anya says, what if Willows fillets their souls and then comes after us? Xander says she won't. Anya says, you don't know that. And Xander says, we're her friends, Anya, her family. She would never hurt us. Xander, have you not been around for the last five years? Like, your friends and family are constantly hurting you because Joss Whedon makes them dance for him like they're dancing on strings like that's this this whole show has been people hurting each other right like was it not a couple episodes ago that because of buffy you were just being thrown around her basement by that needle arm needle did you and willow not cheat and hurt oz and cordelia you brought up the affair again (laughs) cara what is you know what i've had that strike too all right first was your weird optimus prime talk now it's the the affair again what's strike three gonna be cara this is me practicing my mothering on you you don't want to know what happens if you hit strike three all right Uh, (laughs) so anya reminds xander uh just as you did cara oh she just tried to use you as a hood ornament xander she doesn't care if you live or die and xander says i guess you two will have finally have something in common and Anya says, I care if you live or die, Xander. I'm just not sure which one I want. And Xander says, we both know things got might get ugly with the Wikipalooza. But if this gets really bad, and Anya says, let me guess, you'll propose? And I was like, oh, and Xander says, I need to know if you're going to turn on me. Use this little shindig as an excuse for some sweet revenge. And <laughs> Anya says, there's nothing in the world that would give me greater or more lasting satisfaction than to reap bloody vengeance against you, Xander Harris. But I can't. Not officially and not magically. So smile. It's your lucky day. You got away with it. I can't hurt you. And Xander says, right, because you varnishing a table with Spike, how could that possibly hurt? And I was like, ugh, ugh. Xander, we've already talked okay, about this. Okay, so this gave me another thought. We know Xander's into carpentry, right? He's like, he builds shelves. He builds like, you know, the weapons chest. Did Xander build that table? <laughs> Ooh, I hope so. So it's a little extra icing. It's the cherry on top of the icing, on top of the cake of Xander being hurt. It's funny here because, yeah, again, Xander brings up the fact that, like, you sleeping with Spike really hurt me. Well, Xander could have fooled me because you didn't appear to be mad about that at all. You're more mad about Buffy sleeping with Spike. So let's not rewrite history, sir. Right. And, and like, who cares who's sleeping with whom at this point? You don't... Anya doesn't owe you anything. You don't have a claim on Anya. She's not your woman, right? Like, she could go sleep with Optimus Prime, you know? Like... Just kidding. I actually I actually do find your fascination with the Optus Prime today like very, very entertaining. So so Anya says that wasn't vengeance, it was solace. I can't hurt you, so I'm just gonna have to settle for hating you. And Zeta says if that's what you need to do. And Anya says, Don't. You don't get to play the martyr. None of this would be happening if it weren't for you. And Xander says, You think I don't know that? You think I'm the hero of the piece? I saw the gun before Warren raised it. I saw it and I couldn't move. He shot two of my friends before I could even and you want to know how useless I am that it's my fault thanks I already got the memo and Anya says I was talking about us and the thing is I get that Xander is dealing with PTSD like I think it's interesting that they put this in this this episode that they had time to stick this in the fact that Xander is feeling survivor's guilt from his friends getting shot around him and him surviving and just being there not doing anything and I actually think that's fair you know there's a lot of shootings in the world particularly in the u.s uh there's a lot of survivors of those shootings i'm sure they feel a certain way about it so maybe they might be able to 
sympathize or, or understand what Xander's going through here. So it's a little, little piece of that that I, I think is okay. But it was also very obvious that Anya was talking about them, right? She was talking about Anya and Xander. And Xander's proving to me once again that he is minimizing what he did to Anya a couple episodes ago by leaving her at the altar and breaking her heart. He's just letting these other things get in the way of that. And again, bigger things are happening right now, but he is the one that brought it around to their relationship in this conversation. So Mm -hmm. I don't like that he just ducks out of it as soon as Anya has a really good point, you know? Well, and remember, he was the one a couple of episodes ago who's like, Anya, we need to talk. What are you doing right now, Xander? Suddenly you don't want to talk? Right? And he's like, no, no, actually, um, I I feel bad about the the shooting I was just in. Like, he's like one-upping the experience. And I'm like, that's not... It's not the point. Well, Buffy is still trying to talk down Willow. She says, you need to back down a minute and think, Willow. And Willow says, I wasn't going to hurt her, buzzkill. Dawn says, she tried to turn me back. (laughs) And Buffy says, you're attacking the people who love you now? Willow says, only the ones in my way. I I really like how Allison Hannigan plays Dark Willow in these scenes where it's like there's that kind of playfulness to to her now um it's kind of like vampire willow you know from the wish and doppelgangland um but with it's less sadistic evil and it's more like apathetic evil you know it's she doesn't care as much about hurting people she just sees them as irrelevant now so buffy says you need help and willow says i'm doing fine on my own thanks and buffy tells dawn to get out of there uh but willow locks the door And she says, we're all friends. And Buffy says, Willow, you have to listen to me. The forces inside you are incredibly powerful. They're strong, but you're stronger. You have to remember, you're still Willow. And Willow says, let me tell you something about Willow. She's a loser. She always has been. People picked on Willow in junior high school, high school, up until college, with her stupid mousy ways. And now, Willow's a junkie. Buffy says, I can help. And Willow says, the only thing Willow was ever good for, the only thing I ever had going for me, were the moments when Tara would look at me, and I was wonderful, and that will never happen again. And this is where we start to see a little bit of emotion coming out of Willow again. And Buffy says, I know this hurts bad. Willow, if you let loose with the magics, it will never end. And Willow cocks her head and says, promise buffy says you don't want that because you'll lose everything your friends yourself if you let this control you then the world goes away and all of us with it there's so much to live for there's too much to and willow scoffs and says please this is your pitch buffy you hate it here as much as i do i'm just more honest about it you're trying to sell me on the world the one where you lie to your friends when you're not trying to kill them You screw a vampire just to feel? And insane asylums are a comfy alternative? This world? Buffy, it's me. I know you were happier when you were in the ground. The only time you were at peace your whole life was when you were dead. Until Willow brought you back with magic. Uh, Without going into spoilers here, Steph, Willow's future actions are kind of inspired by Buffy here, so it's kind of Buffy's fault. (laughs) Take that back. (laughs) Nothing is Buffy's fault. Buffy gave her the idea, okay? So that's all I'm saying. 
You know who gave Buffy this idea, though? Joyce, in her delusion, back in normal again. Buffy is singing the same song here, right? Like, there's, you know, you got so much to live for. <clears throat> You'll lose everything if you choose the wrong path, right? Like, she, she's basically mimicking what she learned in that episode over to Willow here, and it's not working. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel I'm flashing back to our conversation in Earshot and how I was very critical of Buffy's speech to Jonathan because I felt like it was coming from a place of of privilege and you know she i feel like she should have used some more like de-escalation training and i'm kind of having the same vibe here with her conversation with willow where she's like you should back down willow because otherwise you'll lose everything like she she's trying to be sympathetic and she's trying to reach to willow like i see it but i also feel like maybe buffy you should take a couple of courses about how to de-escalate you know uh, uh people who are going through something like what willow's going through that's that's a fairly standard course right too much magic k cereal yeah. have to, yeah you know go 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 on the deep end for, for that <laughs> so buffy flinches and suddenly they're in the magic box so not only can willow teleport but she can now teleport three people uh and willow says sorry the trip can be kind of rough if you're not me dawn collapses buffy does too and willow then sees jonathan and andrew and says you boys like magic, don't you? Abracadabra. And magic flies at them through her hands, but it's blocked by a force field. And Willow says, didn't see that coming. You guys want to take it slow? I can do that too. Ask Warren. She tries to hit them again, but the force field holds. And we cut to Anya uh, standing like kind of right next to them, but <laughs> she's like behind, <laughs> she's like right she's behind a them. little screen. Like Willow, <laughs> she's out of sight of Willow. Uh, and she's reading from a book but okay so did she translate it then you know like did was she successful <laughs> yeah like she she's chanting in sumerian or perhaps akkadian um but like she clearly found the spell that she wanted to create this like anti-magic force field so jonathan realizes they're protected and he says let's get out of here and they run for the back door uh but willow closes the door before they can get there and says we're just getting started i've got big party plans um, but Willow, you know your party will not be complete without Chips and Dip Girl. Mm, right? Where's Cordy at? Shout out to Cordelia. She would have solved all these problems for us. Like, <laughs> she would have talked Willow down. Like, I miss her so much. Mm. Hope she's doing well in LA with Angel. I'm sure she is. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> she's thriving in LA. Um, so Andrew and Jonathan decide, let's just grab some swords off the wall. And Xander says, Will, don't. And Willow says, guys, come on. I'm just getting the wood for the violence here. And you know what they say. If at first you don't succeed, and then she shoots magic at them again. <laughs> but I like how you said earlier, like Palpatine, like which just like shoots the magic out of her hands. <laughs> like, let the hate flow through you. Yeah, lots of that kind of special effect happening in this episode. It's a little bit too much, in my opinion, but whatever. Uh, let's cut to Spike, who's getting the shit beat out of him by fire hands. Uh, he's got burns all over his body now and he gets punched in the face and he gets beat down. But then at one point he stops the fist like by grabbing it with his hand and then thus burning his hand. He's like, bad move, bad move, because obviously it hurts. Uh, he manages to knock the guy to the ground and then he snaps his neck. <laughs> What's this like four or five episodes in a row with next oh, so, so much. That's uh, Spike's go-to move. So Spike says, looks like local boy loses. And I was like, local boy? <laughs> like I where are they? I just, I just confused. Like, where are they? So the demon says, so it, it would appear. And Spike says, good for me then. I get what I came for. I passed. And the demon says, indeed, you've passed the first stage of the test. 
<laughs> and Spike's like, first stage, bugger. The de- this demon is a classic moving the goalposts kind of demon, right? Where it's like, oh, oh, okay, so you beat this level, but that was actually just level one of my much more complicated level. There's definitely another test, and I'm totally not making it up as I go no, along. No, no, you have to answer these questions three, right? Like, there's always more. So, what is your favorite color? <laughs> All right, so so Willow has stopped her magics with a K. Um, She says, damn, that is one effective counterspell. Won't keep you alive, though. Buffy says, Will, back off before somebody gets hurt. Willow says, how would I back off right after? And Anya's still chanting behind her little area. I I do think Willow would be able to hear her, but whatever. Willow says, just because I can't do magic on you doesn't mean I can't do them to myself. So she does some magic on herself, and then she says, I'm pretty sure I'm strong enough now to beat you to death. So she tosses the table aside to demonstrate this, and Buffy stands in front of her and says, I don't want to hurt you. And Willow hits her so hard that she flies into the back shelves, and Willow's like, not a problem. So Andrew and Jonathan are still standing there. They have their swords, and Buffy gets up and says, I said I didn't want to. And she walks up to Willow and punches her such that Willow flies into a display case. And Buffy says, didn't say I wouldn't. So we are about to witness an epic smashdown of the magic box. Like Nothing is safe. And so I feel bad for Giles because as far as we know, he's still a silent partner in the magic box. And this is really messing with his livelihood. And, you know, is he still working for the Watchers Council at this point? It's very unclear. Like, what is what is his income stream here? So I feel I do feel sorry that Giles isn't here to like stop Willow from messing up the magic box. He probably has sensors in the magic box that alerts him to when everything gets smashed, and that's why he shows <laughs> he had, up later. He had the camera. He had ac- <laughs> that camera wasn't the trio's camera. That was Giles' camera. Yeah, yeah. And we. I mean, spoiler, but when he shows up at the end, it's like he's not here for any other reason other than he saw Willow smashing up the store. So he's god damn it no he saw he saw anya and spike having sex <laughs> he's like my, and he's my like love. <laughs> that is not why i put this camera in here dear like he probably like was watching the camera you know checking the footage the next day or whatever and he just he's like dear god and he takes his glasses off to clean them because that way he's not seeing it right but he's like you know he, he put the camera in there not to be a voyeur like the trio but because he's like this, you know, this is a, a public venue and I'll put my camera here so I can see what's going on in, in my property. And, 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 and no, it's a sex show. And he's like, <laughs> all right, I got to do something about this. So that's why he was already on his way back when the whole Dark Willow thing happened. To lecture about that. He, he was also kind of like, you know, God, like when I was their age, I was part of this demon cult where we were having orgies every night. You know, like it was it was messy. I was not this messy, is what he was thinking. So he's like, I got to come back, sort this he's out. He's like, you're, si- you're simultaneously impressing me, but also disappointing me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what, what, what is bigger in my mind. My, my want to join in on the mess or my want to lecture you about it. That we got ahead of ourselves. Uh, Xander ushers Don, Andrew, and Jonathan out the door and says that Buffy can handle this. They pass Anya, but Anya says she needs to stay and keep the spell going. She says, go, do something right to Xander as he goes. So Willow says, um, no, because she sees him leaving and Buffy throws her back. Willow gets up again and they face off. Willow says, so here we are. And Buffy says, are we really going to do this? And Willow says, come on, this is a huge deal for me. Six years as a sideman, now I get to be the slayer. And Buffy says, a killer isn't a slayer. 
being a slayer means something you can't even conceive of. And Willow says, oh, Buffy, you really need to have every square inch of your ass kicked. And Buffy says, then show me what you got and I'll show you what a slayer really is. Ooh, Buffy. So they start to fight. And Willow does a flip do right over Buffy. Hey, only Slayers can do flip do <laughs> Right? I was like, maybe Willow does know what a Slayer is all about because she did a flip do And Buffy gets pissed about that. She's like, that's my move. And she throws her into the shelves. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I love the Buffy-Willow smackdown. I love Buffy being like, I don't want to hurt you. Didn't say I wouldn't. Um, I love everything about this. Um, you know, once again, I, I like that Xander left because, again, like Xander should be dead if he gets hit. Like... Um, Buffy can take it, but also um, Willow insulting Buffy and being like, you need every square inch of your ass kicked. Willow, have you been watching the same TV series we've been watching? Because like, yes, there are moments where we call out Buffy because she's being a little toxic or she's making bad decisions or, you know, we, we will criticize Buffy when she deserves it. But by and large, Willow, Buffy is a hero. Um, and, and this line once again is like, oh, yeah, you really are Dark Willow right now because objective willow would not say that no absolutely on the streets andrew is basically like where are we going xander has no idea so willow traps buffy under the ladder to the loft that like leads up to the loft and i was like that moves <laughs> like i had no idea <laughs> so anyway i learned something new um buffy manages to get out and before willow can walk out of the store she stops her and gets on top of her and willow's like get off super bitch uh, more fighting. Buffy's like, I can help you. And Willow says, I thought you were going to show me what a slayer was. Sorry. We have to stop and talk about the line, super bitch. Okay. That's like an iconic line. <laughs> Get off, super bitch. Like the, the delivery. I, I think the line is a little cringy and the way that Allison Hannigan delivers it doesn't quite work. But that line has kind of made its made its way into, you know, like our headspace and, and the, the memes associated with Buffy, right? Love it. So... The others are running, right? Jonathan says, he, Jonathan says he can't run anymore. He needs to breathe. And I was like, you've been like running for two blocks, Jonathan. Get it together. <laughs> uh, Andrew, Andrew says, this is bogus. We got to get out of town. Mexico. We should go to Mexico. Xander says, you're not going anywhere. We just got to find a place to hide, you two, until we can get the, the all clear from Buffy. And Andrew says, what if the Slayer is dead already? We're just supposed to sit around waiting for Sabrina to show up and disembowel us. Sabrina, the teenage witch, of course. Xander says, you do what I say. Andrew holds up his sword to Xander's neck and says, I don't think so. And I'm like, ooh, are they going to kill each other? <laughs> so more fighting at the magic box. Willow gets thrown around. And then she sees Anya chanting and she's like, hey, isn't that interesting? Anya's still here. And she throws Buffy into a table. And then that was like, I think the last piece of the story that was not touched. <laughs> so that was it. Um, and she says, it looks like I've been beating on the wrong gal. So Xander's telling Andrew, like, just put the sword down. Andrew says, no way, I'm not going to die because of something that I didn't even do. That's when Jonathan raises his sword to Andrew's neck and says, let him go, Andrew, you heard me. And they're like, no, you first, no, you. And then Andrew says, I'm not moving. I'm not going to budge until, ow! And he drops the sword because Jonathan poked him. And Jonathan says, Xander's right. We're not leaving Sunnydale. When this is over, you and I are going to go back to jail to do our time. Hmm. Okay. I'll believe that when I see that, Jonathan. You have good intentions now. Yeah. But... A, a nice line, Jonathan, but I want to see you walk the walk, you know? So Buffy is unconscious uh, from that table smash as Anya is shouting for help. And Willow says, you can't block my spells if you can't chant. And you can't chant if you're sleeping. So she throws Anya across the store and she's passed out. 
And then Buffy gets up <laughs> just right then. And Willow says, Buffy, I got to tell you, I get it now. The Slayer thing really isn't about the violence. It's about the power. And we've known that since, remember in Checkpoint, Buffy said it's about power. <laughs> Willow, pay attention. Mm-hmm. So she shoots Buffy with her Star Wars magic. And Buffy is on the ground again. And Willow says, there's no one in the world who has the power to stop me now. Okay. Famous last words. <laughs> Right? Like, <laughs> Willow, have you not been here for the last five years? Like, you don't say things like that in Sunnydale. Like, you are begging for somebody more powerful than you to come through that door the moment you say those words. It happened to all the other big bads, right? It's like, you know, I just, I don't even want to stand next to you right now. I'm embarrassed. What happens, are Steph? you not embarrassed? But the thing is, too, it's like, this is our first time, Kara. <laughs> first time being that, evil you're right she's really excited to <laughs> yeah. be evil i get it first time evil you know they're they're always just so green and it's so adorable right? you know they just go around flaying people and it's just it's the cutest thing ever and then it's just like okay but now you're getting carried away willow i know but it's like part of the power like half of it is getting all the power in the world to destroy the universe the other half of it is being on a power trip that you just make these giant proclamations like this one right like no one in the world can stop me now like that's the whole point of being a villain but she is hit by a green force that just knocks her over and her nose is bleeding she looks up and oh my fucking god giles the ripper is at the door without glasses no sweater not a suit tony head looking looking very like and sexy and he says (sighs) i'd like to test that theory cool as a cucumber cut to credits daddy giles is back oh my god okay here's here's what's up here's what's up i don't particularly like this episode as we said i think it's a bit of filler it's very rushed to me i'm almost i'm like all over the place Mm -hmm. evil willow dark willow is not landing for me Less so than the last episode, but maybe that'll fix itself in the next episode. I don't know. The point is, though, the end of this episode is awesome. (laughs) I love the surprise appearance of Giles, that he's come back, that he's got some sort of magic working for him that's going to help the Scoobies. You know, obviously, he missed out on saving war. No, no. (laughs) Um, But to come here and just, like, save the day and be so chill about what he says to her and then it just fades to black. And like that's going to get me to come to the next episode for sure. Right. Well, like I said, so I this was kind of my first time watching the Buffy series kind of live up until that point. I just caught episodes and syndication here and there, but I hadn't really watched the whole thing. And I'm watching season six here and I'm like, wait a minute. I know enough about this series to know that Giles doesn't have magic powers. So I'm like, what is going on? Like my mind is blown. And then, like I said, Steph, I missed on that first run through the next week's episode. And so I had to wait until during the summer when they were doing reruns to actually find out what happened. Oh man. Oh, it was the worst. Yeah. Um, a quick, a quick comment going back to the, the, the SmackDown between Buffy and, and Willow. Uh, one thing, you know, we always love to talk about the visible stunt doubles in these fight scenes. Um, you could really tell in this sequence because Buffy's hair was as often is the case, on point. She had these cute curls, these cute locks framing her face. And uh, the stunt double's hair was just not as cute. You could really tell they, the hairstylist had just not put in as much effort into the stunt double's hair. And it was noticeable. Mm, yeah, it was like a bad wig. <laughs> yeah, so so who's your hero? Do you even need to ask? I already did ask, but no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's Daddy Giles. Obviously. Hello. Obviously. Boom. He just, just, oh, just blew me away. I was like, what is this episode? Then I was like, oh, this episode. (laughs) Right? He leaves. He leaves. He's like, you don't need me anymore, Buffy. Clearly she does. You know, and there's, there's, it's, it's a really, really nice thematic recapitulation all the way back to Prophecy Girl, right? Remember when in Prophecy Girl, Giles is like, you, you got to go do this yourself, Buffy. And then she leaves She leaves after tearfully crying to him for like three <laughs> hours about how she doesn't want to die because she's a 16-year-old girl. And this mean British librarian is sending her to her death because it's prophecy. He's like, the book said. And she I don't leaves. Know. <laughs> and then like an hour later, he's like, I feel kind of shitty about that. I should probably go help her. And as it goes on and on and on throughout the rest of the series, he did that in The Freshman. He did that in Once More With Feeling. He does that all the time. Yeah, so he's doing it again. Like Once More With Feeling, exactly. Like that's the iconic thing. This is Giles to a tease. He leaves. He's like, you don't need me. You can be your own hero. I'm not going to help you. You know, got to kick you out of the nest. And then he has second thoughts and he comes back. And you know he he's not always the one who saves the day, but he always comes back, and we're seeing that now. This is the longest he's held out for, though. This is the longest <laughs> is that true. he's waited to come back. G- Giles is addicted. You know, Willow is addicted to magics. Giles is addicted to being a father figure to Puffy. Um, <laughs> Giles is addicted to the drama of being a father figure. <laughs> he's addicted to the mess. Yeah, 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 you know, like I'm 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 making fun of him, but I'm doing it out of love, and I'm here for it. I want Daddy Giles back. I want Buffy's real dad back. And, like, I I am... This is probably a toxic trait, but, like, I'm willing to forgive him. You know, like, I forgive you for leaving us, Giles. Coming in and just, like, blasting Willow with a dose of her own medicine and then being like, I'm going to test that theory. I'm like, you're forgiven. I forgive you, Giles. Like, thanks for coming home. It's a home. great line, too. Like, Oh, it's it, so good. You know, he it's not like he thought of that line on the plane, right? Like, he's sitting there on the plane <laughs> no. being like, what do I say when I bust in there? It's That's like, organic. Yes. So good. He's so smart. Okay, but um, also, like, just, just, like, I... I'm excited. Like I should have felt exp- excited the whole episode, but I I wasn't until the yes. last two so, seconds. And I'm like, th- that's what his character does. It elevates it. I wish he was there the whole season. I really do. So so but so here's my theory as to kind of why you're feeling that way. And and I agree with every, everything you've said in terms of criticizing the structure of this episode. As we talked about with Dark Willow, like there's there's a lot of moving parts going on with her character and her psyche. We we've got some hot stakes coming up about this in in future episodes but like i think the dark willow storyline is really rushed for one thing so that's that doesn't do it any favors like they're trying to cover a lot of ground in this episode but i also think that part of the problem is jonathan and andrew are not compelling targets for willow to be hunting with you know her vengeance the bickering sure it's amusing for time uh andrew's unrepentant behavior sure like there's some interesting dynamics there, but at the end of the day, for most of the episode to be Buffy hauling Jonathan and Andrew around, what, kicking and screaming, right? Like, helping them despite them not really wanting to be helped. Um, it, it's just, it's so much of a distraction, and they're so whiny. Yeah. And, you know, I I think we should have had more of Dark Willow we should have had Dark Willow doing, like, more damage to things or to people, like, watching her slowly succumb to that, right? Yeah. Um, like, she could have taken on Rack, but then it's like, 
maybe if there were some other like demons or something that she could have fought a little bit right like maybe there's a demon that's like drawn to her power more episodes with her like you're saying to build yes. onto it slowly like yeah. why why jam it into three i'm feeling rushed why don't you just like you know stretch it out <laughs> yeah so so uh, yeah it's, so it's a combination of things this this is like i i won't deny it right season six is a messy season for this reason and at the end of the day and and i think this is why the this is the primary reason that you feel so relieved when Giles shows up in that final shot, um, other than the fact that he's Daddy Giles, right? And Daddy, some home. people, some people are like, oh, "Oh, okay, I gotta change my underwear now." <laughs> he's come home, um, and so have I. <laughs> interpret that however you want, listeners. Um, but yeah, so basically, I think the reason why we're so like intrigued by that is because Buffy can't fight Willow. Right. Uh, the, the big bad is so OP. She's even more powerful, I assume, at this point than Glory was because Glory had like physical strength. But she she was really basic when it came to the ma- magics. Right. Buffy can't fight Willow. Anya can't fight Willow. So the writers have given Willow a power boost times a thousand immediately. Nobody in the Scooby gang can vanquish her. So, of course, they have to bring in this deus ex machina of Giles, who suddenly has magic abilities. So we are it it creates a sense of relief in us, the viewer, because we're wondering, like, okay, but where do we go from here? Right. Where do we we go go from here? Right. Like Willow has just put the beat down on Buffy. Where do we go? How does Buffy get out of this? So the final shot is a relief to us because it's the most effective part of this episode because it tells us where we're going from here. Next episode, Willow and Giles fight it out. Maybe they hug it out. Maybe they do croquet or poker. I don't know, right? But like, there's going to be a confrontation. It's going to be fantastic. I assume Buffy gets back into the mix somehow, right? Like, I'm just going to throw all these random predictions out here, but like, like you said, like this is what's going to get you coming back. Nothing else in this episode we really care about. We don't really care about Jonathan and Andrew. No. We don't. Flay like, them. We, we want Willow <laughs> to come back, right? But like, Skin him. Buffy's not going to talk Willow down. We know that. So like, the episode is a whole lot of nothing to basically, like you said, it fills time until we get to Daddy Giles is back. And again, like Willow killed somebody else in this episode. Like, but it's but it's Rack. So, like, what, what do we care? So she's about to attack her and friends they now. never mentioned it again. Yeah, and then we were just like, oh, well. <laughs> so, so yeah, just having Giles just appear, like you're saying, it's like it's that relief. It's that, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And, like, good, honestly, good for the show. Good for the writers for putting this in because I wasn't seeing it coming, you know? I, yeah. Oh, I, I was like, seeing it coming, part- all right. <laughs> there, there's a part of me that was like, oh, they should have just had Giles show up like just before the credits, and then just the whole episode should have been Giles being back. And I get why they didn't do that because they want to, you know, leave that for the finale. Cliffy hangers, Cliffy. Because you notice, like, they kept it, like, they didn't put it in the credits, right? Like, it was a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise, and then the last t- title card was like, you know, special guest star. So yeah, it's it's a really cool cool thing that they did there. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Good for good for the show. Honestly, I haven't said that very much this season, <laughs> but I am saying it here. Well played. All right, on to some hot stakes. Our first hot stake is from Becky, who wants to talk about Dark Willow and saying, "Is it wrong how much I love badass Black Magic Willow? I was never a huge Terra fan when I was younger, but the older I get, I fall for her. She's such a beautiful character. Why couldn't they let us have a happy ending?" I cheer Willow on when she seeks Warren out. He deserves it. 
I know Buffy shows us the moral way in this episode, but doesn't Willow show us the more base human way when we are wronged, we seek vengeance? Also, born now is one of the most iconic lines from the entire show. Yeah, fangirl away, Becky. I think that's great. Allison Hannigan is doing something very iconic with the role because we all know Willow as the quirky, nerdy, smart girl, right? And that is the stereotype mm-hmm. that she took on. And then she, as we've watched over the six seasons, she's grown into her part. She came out. She's a powerful witch. And then to have her do this this dark arc... I think is really, really something to see. Right. It, 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 you know, it really speaks to a fantasy that a lot of us have, especially those of us who are marginalized or, you know, we experience uh, systemic discrimination or we have had very traumatic incidents like bullying in our pasts, right? Like a lot of people have this very dark fantasy of like, what if I could cut loose, right? Like, what if it were justified, You know, what if I did have the power to literally, like, destroy my enemies? And obviously, that's not a healthy thing to entertain in the real world for all sorts of reasons. But there's a reason why those kinds, like, that kind of of arc in a video game is really popular, right? Like, for me, one of my favorite video game series is Mass Effect. And if you, like, you can play the main character of Mass Effect as a paragon or as a renegade, either way, it's a lot of fun. You can play it as a renegade and you can be a dick to a lot of people. And it's fun. It's fun to be a dick. It's fun to be evil in a world that has no consequences. So I think what Becky's describing here very accurately is this idea that like we're living vicariously through Dark Willow right now because for us here in the real world, there are no consequences for the the schadenfreude of um, enjoying like Willow getting her the satisfaction of her revenge. We will litigate, you know, the morality of Willow dispatching Warren the way she did when we put Willow on trial. So stay tuned for that. So our next hot stick is from Mike, who writes it about Riley and Sam in As You Were. Mike says, you briefly mentioned that Xander called Riley and Sam Nick and Nora Fury, and that was a Marvel reference, which is not wrong. However, this is actually a mashup of two pop culture references. The Nick Fury part you already know, but unless you've watched any of the Thin Man films from the 1930s, there are six of them. I have not. Nor have I. Or read the Dashiell Hammett novel, which spawned the first film. You wouldn't know that the main characters are Nick and Nora Charles, a retired detective and his wife who ably assists him in solving mysteries. Ooh. Thank you for explaining the pop culture references that we miss. I appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Our final hot stake is from Clea, who wants to talk about Joyce and Hank's relationship and their divorce um, as it relates to normal again. Clea says, in the delusion, Joyce and Hank were still together. My little thought was perhaps the main reason behind Buffy's parents' divorce was Buffy being institutionalized. Hank was all for it, and hence his absence in this world, uh, and Joyce wanted to pull Buffy out. Uh, I like this revisionist history, Clea, because we, we had to kind of like be a little harsh on Stoner Joyce in that episode and be like, come on, Stoner Joyce, you put your daughter in an in, in institution? That's not cool. 
Um, so I like this idea that actually it was Hank all along. It was the man trying to put a woman down. Oh, uh, and that's the reason that, that, you know, that caused the rift between them. Yeah, I love this because you and I said very cl- clearly in that episode, we are Joyce defenders for life. We smacked on the whole Stoner Joyce thing just to save her from this particular episode. So Clea <laughs> is clearly one of us, one of us, one of us, and is finding other reasons why that's really not Joyce's fault. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, the show in the first season or so does kind of talk about the divorce, the end of Joyce's relationship, and how Buffy feels guilty because of the whole Slayer thing. She feels like it was her fault. But I just, I want to point out, right, like, aside from the old truism that, like, you know, it's never the kid's fault, but also, like, I don't think the problem was, oh, Buffy thought she saw vampires, right? Like, Hank clearly was looking for a reason to GTFO and then go fuck his secretary. Like, they couldn't have come at a better time for Hank, you know? And and I have zero sympathy for Hank Summers. Uh, I hate this man. He can go into a trash fire. Another reason why we will defend Joyce with our very lives if we have to. Thank you so much for your hot stakes, everybody. Uh, we were so close. We have one more regular episode, and then we have our wrap-up, and uh, you know we'll have a few bonus episodes as usual. Um, I'm so excited. This next episode, I'm not exaggerating, I have been waiting you have. for this the entire series. I have you've been teasing so many this one. thoughts. Yeah, you've been teasing this one since season one. You're like, I have a lot to say in season six. I am so ready. Um <laughs> But first, we need to finish this episode. Um, As a reminder, we now have merch available. If you would like physical, real-world, tangible things that say Prophecy Girls or Praise Moloch or It's Never Too Early for Xander Slander, head over to prophecygirls.ca slash store, uh, and you have your pick of merch that you can buy to support us. And, of course, thank you to everybody who supports us through Buy Me a Coffee especially our chosen ones, uh, Rochelle, Amy, Ricky, Tasha, Haley, Jace, Allison, Erica, Destiny, Kyle, Emma, Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Louise, Joshua, Reese, Susanna, and Jasmine. Thanks, everybody. (gasps) See you for the season finale next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week